Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. Our goal is that this message builds your faith and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. I'm just really excited to speak and preach to you guys this Sunday morning. And they let me speak and preach on my birthday today. I'm turning 22. 22. Thank you. Thank you. So make sure you are extra excited, enthusiastic, and you respond really well during this message since it's my birthday. But hey, I'm just messing around. Um, Man, one of the reasons I'm more excited is because today's the day where we're bringing our first fruits offering unto God. We're going above and beyond our regular giving. We're giving the first and best portion of our income to God, and we're really excited about that. We've been on a series uh, we're actually on part four of this series called, some, can somebody help me? First Fruits. We're on part four of this series. And I love it because at the end of this service, we're going to have an opportunity to bring God our first fruits offering. And one thing I love is how we are choosing to do it corporately together as a church body. You know, the scripture says that one can put 1,000 to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. So what that tells me is that the the math of collaboration is multiplication. And that whenever we come together as a church body, in one mind and one accord, and we do something great for God, and we give God the first portion, there's no telling what God can do with that. Amen? Amen? See, whether you're giving $10 today, I know I have my first fruits offering over there, or whether you're giving $100, or whether you're giving $1,000, there may be somebody in here who has it on their heart that has the ability and resources to give 10,000, I don't know. But all I know is this, freely we have received, so freely we're gonna give, and we don't give to give, but we get to give, and we don't give for a blessing, we give from a blessing, and we love Jesus, I love Jesus, and I wanna bring him my best and give him honor and worship and the praise that he deserves. Can I hear an amen already this Sunday morning? So with that being said, I don't wanna speak too long to you guys this Sunday morning, just about three hours three hours or so to you guys, and we'll go out, you know, we'll go hang out, but just kidding, I'm not going to keep that long, uh, but you guys ready for the word this morning? Awesome. Um, you don't, you guys don't have to stand to your feet yet or anything, we're going to be taking a look at, at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and man, I'm so excited to share this word with you this Sunday morning. We're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12 through 23. Real quick, before we get into it, I want to give you guys a little bit of context so that way you know what is going on in this particular passage of Scripture. Uh, 1 Corinthians, real quick, before we stand our feet. 1 Corinthians was written by the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul is actually writing a letter to a church in a city called Corinth. And this is actually a church that the Apostle Paul planted. He established it. He started it. And after he planted the church, he, he actually left on a year and a half long journey, planting and starting other churches. But since the Apostle Paul has been gone uh, on this this journey, planting other churches, there have been false teachers that have crept into this community in the church of Corinth. And they're beginning to preach heresy. They're beginning to spread a false doctrine. And they actually began to criticize the Apostle Paul when it comes to his ministry and his teachings. And, And what the Apostle Paul is doing in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is he's actually giving a defense to his ministry and the gospel. And specifically, the Apostle Paul is debating with other Christians on whether or not God can actually raise people from the dead. Because there are people, there are some Christians that were saying, you know, God can't raise people from the dead. Yes, Jesus raised from the dead, but he can't raise anybody else from the dead. So the Apostle Paul is giving this debate. Would you mind standing standing to your feet this Sunday morning as we read this out to you guys? Is this uh, making sense to y'all? 
So if you're able and willing, you can stand to your feet as we read it out. It says this. It says, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in, we are of all people to be most pitied. But Christ has indeed indeed been raised from the dead. Say he rose. He rose. The first fruit. Somebody say first fruits. first fruits. There's our word. Of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will, be, all will be made alive. But in each in turn, Christ, the first fruit, somebody say first fruits. First fruits. Then he, then when he comes, those who belong to him. And we're going to land and take a, another look at verse 20 because that's going be, to be one of our key verses this Sunday morning. It says this, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruit, somebody help me say first fruits. First fruits. Of those who have fallen asleep. Somebody say fallen asleep. Fall asleep. Awesome. The sermon title for the last message of this series is first of the fallen. First of the fallen, referring to Jesus Christ. This is going to be all about Jesus this Sunday morning. I'm so excited to share it. So before you take a seat, turn to the person next to you, give them a high five and say, wake up, wake up. Yeah, come on. Keep tabs on them. You can go ahead and be seated. Awesome. Do we have any, quick question, just a quick survey real quick. Do we have any heavy sleepers in the building? Like, rate, like I'll be the first one to raise my hand. Like, you think, you think that you're heavy? Like, I've been told that I am a heavy sleeper. Not only that, not only that, but I've been told that I actually talk in my sleep. Any, do you have any sleep talkers? And, you know, in fact, it happened this morning, or actually last night. What happened last night, I went to sleep, be- I went to bed early because I need my full eight hours, especially before I preach. And um, my sister Haley, or I think Allison, came to my room, and they said, Caleb, happy birthday. And here's the thing, like, I-, I was already asleep. They said that I got up, and I said, happy birthday. And then I went back to sleep. And I heard her say that this morning, and would you believe I have no, like, recollection of any of that? Okay, just like, for example, you know how I know that I love church? You know how I know that I love Jesus? Me and my family were on a trip a couple years ago, and we were staying at a hotel. And my sisters told me this story the next day. They said that while I was sleeping, that I was actually inviting people to church. They uh, Get this. Like, who, dream, like, who dreams out there? Okay, they said that while I was sleeping, that I was saying, hi, Ka- hey, hey, it's so nice to meet you. My name is Caleb. You should join us this Sunday. You should join. This is, I'm sleeping. You should join us this Sunday. You should join us this Wednesday. We have amazing things planned. They said I was saying all of this in my sleep. Another time, my, my cousin, my cousin Frank, stayed the night at her house, okay? And we were watching a movie in the living room. And I forgot what movie we were watching exactly. Uh, but I fell asleep during the movie, and he was still awake. 
And he said that while I was sleeping, I raised up and leaned up in the middle of me sleeping. I turned to him, but my eyes were closed. And he said that I said out of nowhere, Spider-Man was a great addition to the Avengers. I fell back asleep. <laughs> fell back asleep. Another time, one last time, one last story. I'm embarrassing myself on my birthday. I understand that. We're going somewhere. Another time, I fell asleep in my room watching the American Crime Story series on Netflix, talking about the O.J. Simpson case, okay, with the whole trial. And I fell asleep watching that, and somebody in my family, I think it was Haley or Allison, they came in my room to wake me up the next day, and they said that when they came to wake me up, it was Caleb, get up, get up, that I raised up again. And you don't know what's going to happen if I raise up in the middle of my seat with my eyes closed. And I just said, they said that I said this, I just want to let you know that you made the right decision. And they were like, decision? Like, what decision? I said, on whether he was guilty or not guilty. And they said that I laid back down. And I went, like, oh, my gosh, I talked my sleep. So the point, I, the point of that is this. I can be a heavy sleeper, but, hey, I still, I still get here for prayer at 6 a.m. And the only reason is because I'm the type of person that doesn't have one alarm on my phone. I have like four alarms in like five minute intervals. Anybody else in here with me? Right? Like it's like, it, like it, it's a lot of alarms. And not only that, but I actually have one of those old school like alarm clocks. You know what I'm talking about with the bells and everything on it? So whenever I got that a while back, my family just loves me for it because not only does it wake me up, but it wakes the whole house up prepared. Because for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord, right? One way or another, I woke up. Because it will take... <laughs> <laughs> it will take a couple minutes sometimes for that alarm to wake me up, depending on how I'm positioned during my sleep, because I also move a lot in my sleep as well, right? So it'll wake, my family will come to room like, Caleb, your dang alarm woke us up again, and, I, and they wake me anyways. Okay, so the reason I share that is this. kind of want to segue into something, because we need to understand something, and it's this, that whenever Jesus Christ rose from the grave, he rose from the dead, an alarm sounded from heaven. And it was calling everyone who was asleep to be waken up or to be woke up. See, in the scripture we just read, we, we read it and it says that Christ is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And that may sound odd to some. What does it mean by the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep? Well, if you look into scripture and you see Jesus talking, a lot of times whenever Jesus talks about sleep, he's actually referring to death or the state of being dead. We see this in John chapter 11. You tracking me this morning? We see this in John chapter 11. Remember the story of Lazarus, he, he's dead, right? And, and Jesus and the disciples are further away. And it says that Jesus turns to the disciples and he says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him. And the disciples are smart. They have common sense. So they say, right, they say, Jesus, like, Lord, if, he, if he's asleep, like, let him rest, let him chill, and he'll get better. But then Jesus, I love how Jesus just says it very plainly. Jesus was like a savage. He just said, no, like Lazarus is actually dead. Or, or even in the story of Jairus' daughter, right? He raised, Jesus raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. And would you believe that whenever Jesus is on the way to go raise Jairus' daughter from the dead, he goes into the house of Jairus. And when he goes into the house of Jairus, that there's people in there that are crying, they're weeping, they're wailing. They're just, they're just, they're all just torn apart because somebody that they loved passed away. And Jesus says this, because Jesus is very sensitive. He says this. Why are you crying? He said, why are you crying? He says, don't you know that this child is just sleeping? 
So in scripture, we see the word sleep many times being synonymous with the word death. Christ is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And here's another powerful scripture. I want you to take a look at it in the book of Matthew right here. And it says this, Matthew chapter 27, verse 50 to 53. It says this, Jesus, somebody say Jesus. When he had cried again in a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, the veil that was in the temple. See, that was a, a symbol of us being separated from God because none of us were, honestly, none of us were worthy to really enter into the fullness of God's presence. And God didn't like that. So whenever Jesus Christ died, it says that the veil was torn and the Holy Spirit came out. And guess what? Now we are the temples of the Holy Spirit and God's presence lives inside of us because we couldn't get to God. So God came to us. That's not what the message is all about, but we're going to be going somewhere. Check it out. It says this to the bottom and the earth did quake and the rocks rent and the graves were open and many bodies of the saints, saints, which slept, somebody say slept, arose. So Jesus rose and not only did he rise, but other people rise and came out the grave after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. See, the most important day in human history, the most important day in mankind is this. When Jesus Christ rose from the dead. When Jesus rose from the that was the most important day of all of human history. Changed the trajectory of everything. Changed human history as we know it. And his, history books, not just in the Bible, but other scholars and historians write about this event and talk about Jesus' death. So it's not just in scripture, but it's all throughout history during that time period. Because for Jesus, it wasn't R.I.P. rest in peace. It was R.I.P. raised in power. It was R.I.P. raised in power because not only, because whenever Jesus rose from the dead, whenever he rose from being asleep, not only did he rise, but other saints woke up from the dead. See, whenever Jesus died, that's why he's called the first fruits. We are part of that harvest. Whenever he, was, whenever he rose from the dead, it caused a chain reaction that's still reverberating around the globe today where other people begin to rise from the dead. See, resurrection wasn't just something that Jesus Christ did. Resurrection and life is actually who he is. He is the resurrection and he is the life. But the problem was, the issue was, the church in Corinth didn't believe that God could still raise people from the dead. They didn't think that God could still raise people from the dead. But the, the Apostle Paul, who wrote the letter, he knew firsthand that God could raise people from the dead. We see this in Acts chapter 20, because it says that while Paul is preaching and while Paul is teaching, that there is a man, a young man by the name of Eticus. And Eticus is actually on the ledge of a window. And he's listening to the Apostle Paul preach. And the Apostle Paul actually, he puts this man to sleep through his teaching and preaching. And the man falls out the window. He falls asleep on the, falls out the window, falls three stories down, hits the ground, splat, dead. He's done. He's dead. The apostle Paul hears what happens. Like, what was that thump, right? He goes outside. He goes to the man on the bottom of the third floor. And God uses Paul to raise this man from the dead because the apostle Paul knew this, that greater works in his name shall we do. And some people may ask, can God still do it today? I believe that God can still do it today. Oh, yeah. God's the same. I remember this one time, church. I remember this one time. Um, I was about seven years of age. And I grew up in an old school UPC, United Pentecostal church. And I, I grew up in this church. And, and there was this lady. And her, she went by the name of Peggy. And she had always said this. She said, 
I, I want to pass away. And whenever I pass away, I want to pass away worshiping God. Kind of an odd request, but, you know, to each its own. So actually on a Wednesday night service, she went up to the front. True story. There's people in here that experienced that as well. My family and other people as well. She went up to the front and she raised her hands. And while she was worshiping God, she fell over silently, like nothing, just gracefully. She just fell, and she passed away right there on the spot. Crazy, right? The church kind of goes into a frenzy because there's family members there. They go into shock, like, oh, my goodness, is this late? Like, what happened? They check her pulse. She's out cold. They, they call the ambulance. The ambulance is on the way, and the paramedics are coming. Here's the thing you got to understand, right? Like, before someone passed away, you, you want to talk to them a little bit, right? You want to you kind of just share your heart with them a little bit because you know the time is coming. And, and, and the family, they wanted to talk to her. So the, the church actually rallied together, and they said, you know what we need to do? We need to pray because there's family here. I know we're going to see her again one day, but we want to have some reconciliation. We want to talk to her. So they came together, and they prayed for this lady, and the paramedics came. And by the time the paramedics came and they came inside, she actually resuscitated. She came back to life, and they took her to the hospital. See, God can still do it. And I don't believe... I don't believe it was just by chance or some, like, just accident. I really do believe in the power of prayer. And I hear stories today of people being risen from the dead. In fact, you know, after that took place, I actually went with my mom and my family. We went to, uh, after, we, after we left from the church service that night, I told my mom, Mom, we need to pray for Peggy. And, and my mom said, okay, let's pray for Peggy. So we pulled into the Big Lots parking lot. And I remember we sat there in the Big Lots parking lot. And, and I, just, I just felt that compassion at such a young age. My heart was just yearning for that family because you have to understand, we were never designed to die. None of us. We weren't designed for death. Jesus, he, God, he, he, he designed us to live in eternity with him forever and ever, not to die. And that's part of the curse of Adam and Eve and what they brought into the world, the, the death. So we weren't made to really, really con, like understand death completely. That's not who we were created to be. So I, I just had it in my heart. We need to pray for her. So remember we prayed in that parking lot. Remember this, Mom? We prayed in the parking lot. And I remember in that moment just feeling the love of God and feeling this compassion in my heart. Like, God, I don't know why I'm feeling so broken in this moment. God, I pray for Peggy. I pray for her. I pray that, that, you, would just, that you would just have your way, that, you, that your will be done. God, touch them. And I remember that moment just crying. And it was in that moment, church, that I felt the presence of God in a way that I had never felt before, not just externally, but internally. And that's when I was baptized in the Holy Ghost that I received my prayer language right there in the Big Lots parking lot because I was hungry for God. Come on. All I'm saying is this, church, let's make sure that we never water down the power of God. Let's make sure that we, we don't ever walk. See, God can still raise people from the dead today. God can still heal the sick today. God can still open up blind eyes today. God can open up deaf ears today. God can heal the lame. God can deliver people. With God, all things are possible. And we don't have to have church as usual where we go through the schedule, through the systems, through the routines, and we call it quits, and we're done with the service, and we go throughout our week. No, we can be a church where we see miracles, where we see signs, where we see wonders, and where people come, and they receive deliverance and transformation, and people are made new in Jesus Christ, and their life is changed. We are a place where, life, where lives are changed. We are a place where people grow. See, what the church of Corinth didn't realize was this, that they were actually dead in their sin. They were dead in their sin. 
And we were all dead in our sin at one point. And then we were raised to life. Check out what Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 says. It says this. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. As for you, say as for me. So you need to understand this, church. Hear me loud and clear. When we accept Jesus, our spirit, our spirit, man, goes from death to life. That's why we say that Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. Jesus came to make dead people alive. And spiritual resurrection is actually more powerful. We call that spiritual resurrection. That's actually more powerful than physical resurrection. See, the great, I'm going to get down here for a minute. The greatest miracle that could ever take place in your life is this. Whenever you go from a state of being dead in your sin to, go, to, to going to being alive in Jesus Christ. That's the greatest miracle, honestly. See, because Jesus, he was the first fruits of those who have fallen. See, the first of those who rose from that. He was called that because he wasn't just another man. Whenever he rose from the dead, guess what? That gave us the ability to be risen from the dead as well. That gave us the ability to be risen from the dead as well. See, the same power, not only that, but the same power that raised Christ from the dead actually lives and dwells inside of us. And that's a good thought, right? We were dead in our sin we, we had no hope. We couldn't be saved. We couldn't save ourselves. I, I don't care how hard you work. We can never save ourselves. When we get to heaven, it's not going to be because of our good works and our own charity. It's, it's going to be because of the blood of Jesus Christ. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. And I want to show you something in, in verse 22 of the scripture that we just read. Because I want, I want to kind of shift our focus a little bit this morning. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22 to 23, it says this, For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ, the first fruits, somebody say first fruits. first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Okay, remember last week how we talked about how the whole Bible, how the whole Bible points to Jesus, right? See, and I've heard someone say it like this. They said that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. But the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. I've heard people say that. If you look throughout Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, it's all about Jesus Christ, right? And think about this. In Scripture, you know that Jesus is actually referred to as the second Adam? In the New Testament, he's referred to as the second Adam? In other words, think about this. Where the first Adam brought a curse, the second Adam brought a cure. Where the first Adam failed, the second Adam fulfilled. Where the first Adam brought death, the second Adam brought life. Where the first Adam was disobedient with the first tree, the second Adam was actually obedient with the second tree. And I think that's great and all. I think that's great all. But as I was studying for this message, God revealed something to me. God, I had a revelation that I had never seen before. And I don't know if you've ever seen it before or not. I want to share with you. Anybody want to hear it this morning? Yeah. Think about this. So we know that we know that Jesus, we know this, we know this. He came to make dead people alive. But we know that the reason that we were dead in our sin was because of the action of Adam, right? We saw that in the scripture that we just read, right? But because Adam was disobedient to God because he ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? He ate of the forbidden fruit and that brought death and that brought a curse upon humanity. But did you know that there was actually another tree in the garden? Not, this, not just the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but there was actually a tree in the center of the garden called the tree of life. 
And one of the reasons that Adam was actually cast away from the garden is because he was dead in his sin and he wasn't worthy to eat of the the tree of life, of the fruit of the tree of life. Check it out in, in Genesis. This just amazed me right here. Check it out in Genesis, the next scripture. It says this, and the Lord God said, the man has now become like no like one of us, knowing good and evil, he must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat forever. So the tree of life, because he was in a dead, sinful state, and he didn't want, God didn't want him to eat of that and remain in that sinful state forever. And did you know that God went as far as placing an angel to guard Adam from eating from the tree of life? He cast him away because guess what? The tree of life, it was a life-giving tree. The tree of life represented eternal life, right? The fruit of the tree, when you, it, it represented eternal life, right? And we know that Jesus, we look at scripture, he's referred to as the first fruit. And not only that, but we actually see the cross, and I want you guys to listen for a minute. We see the cross being referred to as a tree. Check this out. In, 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 second, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, it says, Who he, his own self bear our sins in his body, on the tree. Somebody say tree. tree. That we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Reading out the good old King James Version this morning. So that way you know it's legit. So Jesus, he hung on a tree and he's referred to as the first fruits. And think about this. Did you know in scripture it actually mentions how Calvary where he died and the tomb where he was laid, how both of those were actually like geographically located in a garden. So Jesus wasn't really in a graveyard. Jesus Christ was actually in a garden. And Jesus Christ wasn't just buried. Jesus Christ was actually planted, and he rose out of the grave like a plant, like a fruit, like a tree, and we are part of the first fruits of that. Now think about this. Think about this. Think about this, because I think you know where I'm going. Even in the garden, the tree of life, it was a prefiguration of Jesus Christ. It was all pointing to Jesus. See, whenever the first Adam, whenever Adam ate of the, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it brought death, it brought curse, it brought sin into our life. But whenever we partake of Jesus Christ, our first fruits, who also hung up on a tree, we have eternal life. The scripture says, The scripture says that Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the life. And guess what? We have been made worthy to eat of a new fruit because of what Jesus has done. And God is calling everybody in this building. And God is calling everybody in the world to partake and eat of his finished work. It's not about achieving. It's all about receiving. He's calling everybody. Somebody say, he's calling me. He's calling you to partake. Does it make sense to you guys? Isn't that powerful? Think about this. Whenever Adam, he ate of the forbidden fruit, this is why it's so hard for us sometimes. Because whenever Adam ate of the forbidden fruit, we developed a new craving and a new appetite that we didn't have before. Now it's in our nature. We have a sinful nature. Each and every single one of us, we may have the the, the church, you know, feeling all good, doing all good, worshiping God. Caleb, but there's another Caleb. There's another part of each, every one of us that's longing for, for things of this world that can never truly satisfy our souls, our, our sinful nature. We're, we de- developed a craving of sin. You don't have to, you know, learn it. You're just naturally like that. It says that we're born in sin, right? Just innately inside each and every one of us. But God told me, 
that he actually wants to develop new cravings in our life. Where we have a new hunger and desire that we never had before. See, and that's the point of us doing this fast. That's the point of this first fruits offering, that we would begin to develop new cravings in our life, and that God would develop a new craving in our life. And that's my only point this morning. My only point is this, create new cravings. Somebody say create new cravings. See, the truth is we are all, we are all hunger and desire-driven people. We usually go after what we feel like we want or what we feel like we need. We go after, we, we go towards what we desire. But this is what I've learned, that we cannot, we cannot fully hunger and thirst after things that we haven't experienced firsthand. I remember years and years ago, I went on a missions trip. And I went to Nicaragua. Yes, I can speak Spanish very fluently if I say that word. No, I can't. I wish I could. <laughs> Nicaragua. I just like saying that word. Just do not say it wrong, okay? So I went to Nicaragua. And uh, it's in Central America. It's a missions trip. And I remember whenever we went there, there's the pastor and uh, the pastor for the church and his wife. And every day, they would invite us to go to their, to their house. And they would make us some amazing, and I'm talking about like some amazing Central American food. They had the papaya. They had all these different. I would like never had this stuff before. Like this is so good. But what really got my attention was the fruits that they had there. Like there were some fruits that I, I saw in Mario, like the video game that I'd never seen in real life. I was just thinking to myself, like, oh my gosh, I've seen that before. On Super Mario Sunshine, some people don't understand. But like there was all these fruits and I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know like fruit came in this shape. I didn't know it came in this color. I didn't know it came in this size. I'm a little afraid to eat it. Like, it's that in the States, right? So, you know, I was, my curiosity got me, and I said, you know what, I'm going to try some of this fruit. And she not only made fruit, like, had the fruit, but she made juices, y'all. And I'm telling you, Tropical Smoothie did not compare. Like, I'm telling you, like, I know that's a big statement, right? Or Smoothie King and all these different places, Nutrifull, complete, like, honestly, the, the juice that I had, the, that I had in that moment, it was like, oh, my gosh, this is so good. And ever since then, I looked forward to going to her house day after day. And it was a different fruit every single day. Day and I still crave it sometimes. Not my mouth's getting watery. Just saying, it was so good. It was so good. But here, the reason I say that is this: we, I developed, I developed a craving. I developed a craving that I didn't have beforehand, because I experienced something that I had never experienced before. I developed a craving that I didn't have beforehand because I experienced something firsthand that I never experienced before. And it could it could it be possible, church? that we're missing out on fruit and we're missing out on things that we have no idea about. And could it be possible that we're feeding our souls, we're feeding our spirits, and we're feeding ourselves things and we're coming out lacking. It's, it's not enough because there's some fruit that we have no idea about. But I have some good news for you. Whenever you really experience Jesus, it should change your appetite completely. See, and I'm warning you with something. Hold up for a second. I'm warning you with something real quick because whenever you really experience Jesus and when you really get a taste of God, see, it should, it should change our, our appetite. It should really, and that's why some of us, we get a taste of Jesus. We have an encounter with God. We come to church. We raise our hand. Something happens. and We have a story. We have a testimony. And, and that should leave us wanting more and more and more and more. And, and that's, that's why we come to church. Because we're hungry for his presence, and we're hungry for his word. 
And that's why we fast and that's why we pray because we want more of God. And that's why we give because God has been so good to each and every single one of us. And that's why, that's why there's some things in your life, come on, that cannot satisfy you the way that they used to satisfy you anymore. What you used to do in college, what you used to do in high school, what you used to do a while back, a year ago, even this past week, those things cannot satisfy you the way that they used to satisfy you because only God can truly complete you and only God is enough. Only Jesus is enough. <laughs> Substances out there aren't enough. Drugs aren't enough. Alcohol isn't enough. Other people isn't. Sex isn't enough. The, the, the thought of what people think about us when it, came, when it comes to fame, popularity, notoriety, those things aren't enough. Only Jesus Christ is enough to satisfy our soul. See, our souls long for the presence of God. Our soul, our soul, it's naturally in us. We long for the presence of God, and only he can satisfy our souls. That's why the scripture says, taste and see that God is good. It's not enough. Somebody say it's not enough. See, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And ultimately, this is what God wants to do. God wants to begin to change our cravings and our hunger completely. That's what God wants to do, really. But here, here's the issue I found. A lot of people are just satisfied with sampling Jesus or sampling God. You know, whenever you go to the store and they have different booths set up, HB Plus, Walmart, Sam's Club, like they have different booths set up, right? And they have all these like sample booths and you get to try a little taste of something. And you're like, for me, I'm the type, I'll go to Sam's Club and I'll go an extra aisle over in an area I'm not even planning to shop in just so that way I can get a sample, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like Sam's Club is the best. I don't know which day. If you know the schedule, let me know. You get to go around and you get free samples, right? I'll just go, especially whenever I was little. But you know that there's actually... You know, there's, there's a motive behind that. The objective of the store is to do something. The store, its motive is that you wouldn't just have a sample, but that you wouldn't just have a taste, but it would, it would entice your taste buds and hunger just enough where you're not satisfied with just a sample, but you get your own supply. Yeah. And it's the, it's the same with God. See, sometimes we just sample God on Sundays. Sometimes we just sample God on Wednesdays. Sometimes we just sample God whenever we feel like it. But Jesus doesn't want to be your sample. Jesus Christ wants to be your supply. He wants to be your lifeline. He wants to be the one that you go for. See, I hunger and thirst after the Lord. See, the scripture says, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. So that tells me this. That God wants to fill me up completely. God wants to overflow in my life. God wants to not be my sample, but God actually wants to be my supply. And in order to do that, God has to change the cravings of our hearts. Thank you for listening to the Covenant Life Center podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, then subscribe and follow us on social media at CLC Victoria. Connect with us by visiting our website, clcvictoria.org.